Amen. Well, are you glad to be in church today? It's good to see you this morning, and I'm, I'm glad to be with you. It's been a, been a few weeks since I've been up here to share the Word of God, but some, a little bit of rest and a little bit of time. But it's good to be back, and it's good to be back with you guys and worship the Lord. So let's get our Bibles out and get them open, and uh, uh, just go ahead and turn them to Philippians. But before we uh, get there, I wanted to just ask you guys a question. Have you ever lost something that was really, really very important to you, like your remote control, or your phone, or something like that, like your glasses. How about this? Have you ever lost your way? Or have you ever lost control emotionally, or, con- or lost control of a circumstance Or how about this, have you ever lost your patience? Anybody in the room ever lost their patience? Just this morning, on your way to church probably, you lost your patience. Have you ever lost your peace of mind? I want to begin a series today entitled, Finding Your Missing Peace. That's a series that I feel God has laid on my heart, and I want to talk about this, and, uh, and you know, the perfect peace of God is not only God's promise to us, but it is absolutely essential. The peace of God is essential to living the abundant life of Christ. I cannot fully live in that full and free abundance of Christ without the peace of God, that perfect peace. And so today, I want to begin this series by looking at this idea of, of uh, recovering our peace of mind. And I just want to stop real quick. This is, I'm sorry, I, there's a technical issue. I'm not seeing the notes on the screen. Can I get that or is that uh, back there? Is that possible? I'm just going to find out if it's not. I'm, I'm okay, but it, I'll, I'll have to do it the hard way. Amen. So anyway, I want to talk about that. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 1 and following, Philippians chapter 4. Paul writes and he says, Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Yodia and I implore Syntyche, I think is how you say that, to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, True companion, help these women who have labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of the fellowship workers, and the rest of the fellowship, uh, I'm sorry, and the rest of the fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there is any virtue, if there is Anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. 
the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. I want you to notice that phrase, and the God of peace will be with you. But if you look back, if you have your Bibles open, you can look back to uh, verse 6, and it says, don't be anxious about anything, but by prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. And verse 7 says, and the peace of God, so we have the God of peace and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so this is what I want to talk about today. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this room now in these next few moments. And I just pray, God, that you would speak clearly to every one of us where we are at and what we're going through in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I believe this one's for you. Go ahead and tell them that. Even if it might be for you. Now, I'm sure you guys have heard we're in a political season. Anybody heard what's going on right now in the world? And there are, right now, there are all these polls out. And I went looking to kind of, you know, come, you know, just kind of see what, what's going on in our world, just kind of get a sense of it. And with the political season, they have all these kind of variation of polls out there. And I came across one in the New York Times the other day that talked about the mindset, what the voters are feeling about the state of America right now. And uh, it's going to come up on the screen. I want it to go ahead and just come on up there. And they broke this down between Biden voters and Trump voters. And let me just put a disclaimer out there. I'm not trying to be political here today. Uh, I don't have an axe to grind one way or the other. I just kind of wanted to give you a sense of what the New York Times has come up with among voters, people that are feeling really exhausted with everything that we've been going through in our nation. Biden voters are at 79%. Trump voters are at 49%. People who are feeling very scared about the state of our nation, 62%. And 32%. People who are anxious and worried about what we're going through as a nation. 74%. Biden voters, 47%. Trump voters. Here's one, angry. People that are angry about our nation right now is 74%. Biden, 40%. Trump, angry with some hope. 49% Biden voters and 32%. Trump voters. Now, I am not showing you this to basically talk about the difference between the right wing and the left wing, who's right and who's wrong. That's not my purpose. My purpose is when I look at that number, when I saw that, and I think, well, combine the percentages of the people that are walking around this nation right now, if you combine the percentages of what people are feeling what people are thinking right now, I would have to conclude by those numbers that the soul of America is out of peace. There is not a real strong sense of peace. You can take that down now, Rich, if you would. But I think it, that, that uh, even among what they call peaceful demonstrations, and let me just say, there were some peaceful demonstrations, but we also saw how many of those peaceful demonstrations turned into chaos 
and destruction and criminal behavior because something's gone wrong in the soul of America. There's a, there's a peacelessness, there's an anxiety that's pervasive in the heart of our nation. Now, it's easy for us to look out into the world through our large screen TVs and be annoyed with everybody else out there and all of this kind of peaceless chaos, but what about us? What about you? What about me? Where are we at where it concerns the peace of God, peace of God in our heart, peace of God, a peace of mind? How are we operating? Are we operating in the peace of God? This is a very important question. Have we, have we lost our peace? Have we lost it? And this is, this brings us back to this book of, uh, the book of Philippians. This is, uh, one of Paul's most personal letters. It's, it's one that so many people love. It's a friendly letter. It's a warm letter. And But if you realize where Paul is writing this letter from, what he's going through in his life and what he's saying to the people in their situation, if you knew what his situation was, he wrote this letter to people while he was imprisoned for doing the will of God. He was in lockdown. He was, he was facing impending judgment in his life. He didn't know whether he would live or die at the present. He said earlier in the book, he said, as far as I'm concerned, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I might die any day now, but I know my life is about Christ, whether I'm alive or whether I'm dead. And he operated in that peace, and so he's writing to this church, who are going through their own stresses, who are going through their own struggles. And there are some things here that are going on that we read about. We'll dig into a little bit here. But he's writing to them in his, what, what most people would be going through thinking, this is chaos. This is, this is not good. I'm in prison. And in his place of limitation, he's writing to them and he's speaking peace into their life to live triumphantly in the peace of God. And so I want us today to look at this. I want to, I want to talk about because what, what Paul talks about in this, in this passage that we read, he lays out, in my opinion, four simple principles about how to step into getting back into the peace of God. If we're, if our soul is out of peace, if we are not at peace right now, there are four simple principles that he gives to us to step back into the peace of God, and to walk with the God of peace. And you can, I want to break this down into four words. The words are, say these with me, cooperation, supplication, meditation, dedication. Let's say it together again. Cooperation, supplication, meditation, dedication. Cooperation. The first thing if we're going to walk in the peace of God, peace of mind requires that we maintain right relationships. That's the first thing. What we saw in the opening verses of this passage where Paul said after verse 1, he told them, I want you brothers to stand firm in the Lord. How many in the room want to stand firm in the Lord? You want to stand firm in the Lord? Standing firm in the Lord requires you and I to stand in right relationships with people around us. Because one of the things that can rob us of our peace of mind is relationships that have soured in our life. 
and that we're not maintaining good, solid relationships. In, un- in other words, let me just say it this way. Relationships, right relationships, whether it's your wife, your children, your fellow brother in the Lord, your work associates, your neighbors, requires maintenance. We have to work at it. We have to stay with it. And that's what we see in the opening passage here of Philippians chapter 4 where it goes on and he says, and he, he talks about a couple of ladies. He names their names, Yodia and Syntyche. He said, in other words, we, we don't know what they were fussing and fighting about, but evidently they were butting heads with one another. And he told the brother there, he said, hey, I want you to get these ladies to come back together. These ladies have worked with me in the kingdom of God. But they're not on the same page anymore. They're not walking in relationship like they once walked in relationship. And because of that, there came, it's apparently there seemed to be people choosing sides on who is right and who is wrong. How many of you know that some, it's so easy to take up somebody else's offense? You want to be careful about that. You want to be careful about hearing a problem and then taking on someone else's offense because it can bring division and it can, and it can bring, di- the, dis- the disagreement can bring more division in the body of Christ or in your family or whatever the case may be. But Paul is writing and he's saying, I want you to get these people together. I want you to look at verse, uh, let's look at verse two, he's, or verse three, he says, and he says, I urge you also, true companion, help these women. Help these women, and, and it, this isn't just a woman problem, by the way, it's, um, but it was just women here. Uh, but you can, he can say that if it was a man, help these guys. Person, help this marriage, help this individual that are not in a good place right now. Their relationship is on the skids. They're, you know, they, they, we've all worked together, but now we're not working together. Anybody know relationships like that in your life? We were on the same page. We were going in the same direction. And something happened. An offense. A word. Just something. We don't know what happened here. And sometimes we don't even know what really happens between us. But oftentimes... When we're out of peace, not always, but sometimes it's traceable to a relationship issue in our life. And we really need to look into it and understand that if, there, if, if it's a relational problem, it's not always the other person. You know, it takes two to tango. And if somebody's off, maybe you were off too. And if somebody said something wrong, maybe they were, de- they were picking up something from you to begin with. And it's incumbent upon every one of us to work at the relationship. To figure it out, to, to come to a place of an agreement. That's what he's basically saying. Paul's writing and he's saying, get these ladies together and help them. Come to a place of agreement. You know, I may not always agree with you, but I can agree to disagree with you. That doesn't mean I have to hate you, be at odds with you, judge you, condemn you, be angry at you. We may not always agree, 
We can agree to disagree, but we must always walk together because we are all of the same family. He said here, they labored together with me. They were at one time together. Now they're not together. They've labored in the Lord. Listen, the people in your life are as important to the Lord as you are to the Lord. Come on. They mean as much to God as you mean to God. One, one day, a long time ago, when I was going through some relational dysfunction in my life and I was mad at people in the church because they weren't being the right kind of people in the church. And I would look at them and I had these judgment of thoughts in my mind and it occurred to me one day, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit, and this was many years ago, I've grown up since then, no. Uh, it, 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 like the Lord pricked my heart, he says, I love them as much as I love you. No matter what they're doing, no matter what they're saying, what they're not doing, I love them as much as I love you. See, we got to get this in our spirit. We got to get, we need to come to that place where we, you know, we fix our relationships. Because if we don't work on our relationships, our soul is going to get out of peace. And we're going to walk around holding a grudge and being unforgiving and being angry and being suspicious of everything people are doing or not doing, saying or not saying. And so what do we need to do? We need to see them like Paul saw them. They are fellow laborers. They are important in the kingdom of God. I love what he said in, at the very last phrase of verse 3. He says, their names, listen, their names are in the book of life. I mean, you can't, get any far, you can't get any higher up than that. They're in God's book. And if they're in God's book, they need to be in our heart. Amen. So if it's your marriage, if it's your family, if it's somebody here in the church, if it's me, if it's your neighbor, if it's a work associate, if it's your boss, Maintain right relationships. And so live in the peace of God. Amen. Here's, a, here's another way that we can do that. He says, I love the, the verse that he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Just like Julie said at the outset, where the psalmist said, I will uh, praise the Lord. I will. It's a choice to rejoice. You know, if, you're, if your spirit is sour towards somebody, then make the choice that you're going to rejoice in the Lord. And he said here, not only rejoice in the Lord, but he goes on in verse 5, he says, and let your gentleness be known to all. One of the ways that you can get your gentleness back and your graciousness back to the people around you is that you get in right relationship with God of uh, vertically and your relationships horizontally will come into play it will it will affect that relationship if you're rejoicing in the lord if you're loving the lord if you're thanking the lord if you're honoring the lord that relationship is going to affect these relationships be gentle let your gentleness be known to all what he said for the lord is at hand you know what he's saying the lord's right there with you He's right here. He's at hand. If I'm mistreating them, He's right there. If I'm hating on them, He's right there. 
If I'm not forgiving them, he's right there. If I'm, if I'm scorning them, he's right there. Ooh, the Lord's at hand. Come on. So, peace of mind requires, first of all, cooperation relationally. Maintaining right relationships. Secondly, peace of mind requires supplication. Meaning we need to master right praying. In verses 6 and 7, some of, the, some of the most famous words that Paul ever wrote. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And look at it. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. I believe the NIV says all human comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Paul says here, be anxious for nothing. One of the things that will rob us of the peace of mind is when we worry and become anxious about our life, about what we're going through, anxious about a pandemic, anxious about watching the news or when we watch the news. I don't know if you're, if you're like me, but anytime I give myself a little bit to the news, my anxiety level rises. My anger level rises. My, you know, I don't know if I would call it scared, but a lot of emotions rise in me. And that's what they want. They want me to come back. They want me to get a fix on that evil stuff. And come back to it, and even though it's painful. This is crazy. This is chaos. And it, worry can get into your spirit. And, it, and what that does is rob you of your peace because the word worry literally means to pull in different directions. That's what worry is doing. It's pulling your mind in one direction. I believe in God. Pulling your mind in another direction. I don't know how this is going to work out. And it just pulls your brain apart. Fragmenting your thoughts. You're in church praising the Lord on Sunday. But on Monday you're grappling. You're struggling. You're, you're not sure you're going to make it. That's worry. And that worry robs us of our peace. The old English word for worry literally means to strangle. Imagine your, the life being strangled out of you. Worry has not only emotional consequences, but it has physical consequences. We know medical, medical doctors, you know, we know through, through all of our studies that you can get headaches from worry. You can get back problems from worry. Your neck can get stiff from worry. You can develop ulcers. There's digestive problems that happen in our, in our lives because of worry. It, it can literally affect the countenance of a person. You can sense the stress coming upon a person because of worry. Robbing us of our peace. They say to us that only 8% of the things that we worry about are actually legitimate concerns. So that means 92% of the things that we worry about either are imaginary or they'll never really happen or we had no control over them anyway. You know, you can't control things through worry. Jesus said you can't add any inches to your life through worry. You can't change things because you worry. 
The world doesn't change just because you worry. Amen. Paul's remedy for worry. Every time worry begins to set into your spirit, pray. Every worrisome thought, pray. Take it to the Lord. Don't be anxious. He said, be anxious for nothing. You know that every nothing that we're anxious about is something? <laughs> and do you know that God cares about everything? He cares about every something? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says that we're to cast all our care upon Him, for He cares for you. And that first word for care in the original language, it literally carries the idea of... Um, let me see if I can find my reference here uh it means to divide the mind again it's that idea so he's basically saying casting all your worries upon him cast all your worries whatever's worrying you for he cares for you he has compassion for you give it to the lord amen and so we need to pray how do we pray well let me give you a couple of quick ideas Pray specifically about everything that comes to your mind that is tearing you up, that's tearing you down, that's, that's got you worried. Everything. Pray specifically. Call it out. Mention it. Deal with it. Bring it out before the Lord. Some people think, oh, this is too little for God. There's nothing too little for God, nothing too big. There's nothing that He doesn't care about. If it's concerning you, if it's concerning me, if it's dealing with me, He cares. He cares for you. So cast it on the Lord. Get rid of it. Throw it at His feet. Every time you say, well, I just did it five minutes ago. Do it again. Free yourself. And that brings me to the second idea. Not only pray specifically, but pray fervently. That's what he means when he says by prayer and supplication. The word supplication means an intense, earnest, extended, and continuous type of prayer. In other words, did you know that there are times that in our prayer life, we have to press through. It's not that God is unapproachable or that He's hard to get to Himself, but there are a lot of things that get in our mind and in our spirit that just kind of push and press against us. But supplicating prayer is when you just keep going back to God, you keep taking it to Lord, you keep continuing in prayer, you're persistent in prayer until you get your breakthrough. Pray fervently. Not just specifically, calling out each and every specific thing that's weighing on your spirit. But just keep going back. Just keep going back. Remember Jesus supplicated in the garden. When He was going through that period where He knew He was stepping into the will of the Father to take upon Himself the sin of all humanity. 
And he had to break through, and he was praying in breakthrough. He had to keep, and he kept going back three times. He kept going back, and he prayed, and he interceded, and he got his breakthrough and was able to go on and complete what he had come to do in the earth. And just like Jesus, we all have those Garden of Gethsemane types of experiences in our lives that weigh heavy on us. Pray. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, specifically, by prayer and supplication, fervently, pressing in. Pray with thanksgiving. And that's the third idea that I wanted to say about this supplicating prayer, is we need to pray gratefully. We need to pray with gratefulness in our heart. With thanksgiving. Everybody say, with thanksgiving. Again, What this shows us is that whenever I'm coming to the Lord with a heart of thanksgiving, I may be weighed down with a burden in my life. I may be having a relational problem. I may be having a personal problem in my life. I may be going through a circumstance in my life that is just you know, just weighing me down. I think sometimes we think we got to grovel around and be sad and be morose and just kind of, you know, and this, this will show how serious I am about the pain that I'm going through. No, the Paul, Paul said, when you go to the presence of God, be thankful. He's a good God. And honor Him and, and declare His goodness in your life and recount. Listen, what, you know what we need to do? We need to count our many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. That's an old hymn. That's old school right there. That's what we need to do. If you want a breakthrough kind of prayer, a prayer that brings on the peace of God, a prayer that does what it says in verse 7, and the peace of God, which, which goes beyond human comprehension. I mean, that's the kind of peace I need in my life. A peace that just settles in around my heart and my mind. It keeps a guard over me. It's like secret servant service agents. Everywhere I go, peace is all around me. Got its dark glasses on, keeping a watch out. And it's guarding my heart and my mind. I'm going through hell. I'm going through trouble. I'm going through darkness. I'm going through pain. But the peace of God is right there. I don't even have to look around for it. It's there. It's divine. It's supernatural. And he says, if you want that kind of peace that guards your heart and your mind, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And that peace will come. Hallelujah. We need to be thankful, though. That, that, that thanksgiving is so key. Just a couple of quick scriptures that I... You say, well, it's hard to be thankful when things are going awry. Well... Get over it. Be thankful anyway. First Thessalonians, that's this, and that's that's biblical, by the way. Get over it. First Thessalonians five eighteen says, "In everything, give thanks." You know what that means? Everything you're in, give thanks. That's what that means. Well, I'm in trouble. Give thanks. I'm in, I, I'm not in a good way. Give thanks. In everything. Just thank the Lord. Here's another one for you in case you didn't like that one. 
Ephesians 4.20 says, giving thanks always for all things. I liked the first one better. That one was more like, well, in everything, just give him thanks. But now Paul changes it on me. And he says, no, give thanks for all things. How you like them apples? <laughs> See, some of the junk that you and I go through, And I don't like going through problems and I don't like going through troubles and I don't like going through personal weaknesses and failures. But some of those things are things that God is working a greater good in my life. He's up to something good. And in that sense, I can be thankful for that thing. And I'm telling you, that, that, I don't know if that was hard for you to hear, but that was hard for me to say. Because I'm charismatic and I'm shallow. No, I'm joking. <laughs> so, peace of mind requires Cooperation with one another, maintaining right relationships, supplication, mastering right praying, meditation, monitoring, monitoring or monitor right thinking. Verse 8, look at it with me. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, say it with me, meditate on these things. Stinking thinking will rob you of the peace of God. Soured relationships, if we're not maintaining those relationships, working on those areas and issues of brokenness in our life with other people, that will rob us of our peace. So too, we'll be in worry, worry and worry and worry without praying. It's okay. If I worry, it, that's not the end if I pray. But another issue that gets us out of our peace is the way I think. The way I'm thinking about people, the way I'm thinking about life, the way I'm thinking about me, the way I'm thinking about God. That will rob me of my peace. Of walking with the God of peace. Not that God has rejected me and I've lost my salvation, but I don't have that sense of God's nearness there. And my soul's out of peace. Because of the way I'm thinking, because of my... Stinking thinking. The word for meditate literally carries the idea of an accountant who is poring over the numbers to balance the books. 
In other words, go over the numbers. Go over the truth. Go over the Word of God. And make sure that you understand clearly the truth of God and what God's desires are and and the good things that God is working in your life and the good things that God has said and the noble things and the true things and the lovely things and the good things. That's That's what we do just like an accountant. They go over the numbers. And they make sure that the numbers match up unless they're trying to cook the books. And that's what some of us are doing mentally in our thinking. We're cooking the books. We're not, we're not adding up the numbers. We're not taking the truth in. We're thinking the opposite of what God wants us to think. And we're not thinking about the things that we're going through the way that God would have us to think about it. And garbage in, garbage out. Now listen, what we focus on in our mind determines not only how we live, but whether or not we walk in the peace of God. We have to change our mind. God won't do it for you. You and I have to change our own mind. He's not God only can change my heart. I can't change my heart. Only the Lord can change my heart. He can take this sick heart. He can take this broken heart. He can touch my heart. He can make my heart new. He said He would give me a new heart. And I'm just praying that He's already given me a new heart. I don't have a bad heart. I have a God-given heart. But my mind, however, my mind is not always in a good place. And that's why He says you got to be conformed no longer to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God's not going to change your mind. You have to change your mind. And the way that we change our mind is what we focus on, what we meditate on, what we think on, how we, how we process information in our lives. What I meditate on is going to manifest in my life. I love what Martin Luther Said He said, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from nesting in your hair. And I can't always, you know, there are, thing, there are thoughts that come through me, and there are lies, and there's, there's just stuff in my, in my train of thought that is not of God. And you're going to have those, but you don't have to let it take up residence. Stop it. And how do you stop it? How do you change that? How do you shift from that kind of thinking? And, and, I, and I know this personally. I know I, because I've grappled with this for most of my life, if not, if not all of my life. Just this idea like what I'm thinking and how I'm processing the truth and the information. So here's what he said. Let's just look at it just real simply. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. He says, think on the things that are true. Can I tell you, if you start believing the lie, Satan will he'll start taking over. You start believing lies, and the devil will step in, and he'll just kind of take over. Because he's a liar. Amen. Whatever's noble, in other words, whatever is worthy of respect, whatever is just, or whatever is good, you have to ask yourself, is this good or not? Is this good stuff? Is this life-giving stuff? Or is this death? He said, whatever is pure. Is it moral? What I'm thinking right now, is it morally of God or is it immoral? Don't make up any excuses. 
Just ask yourself, is this pure? Is it lovely? In other words, is it beautiful? Is it attractive? Is it a beautiful thing? Thinking on the things, every, you know, I, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm amazed at how I can make anything look bad. Even good things in my life, oh, well, that wouldn't have happened, you know, and just kind of taking the beautiful things and flipping it around and just pointing out the uglies. How many of you know that God loves you today? I may be yelling up here, but God loves you. Don't take my yelling as, you know, is it of a good report? In other words, can I talk about this? If what I'm thinking, could I share this with people? Is it a good report? Virtuous, does it motivate me to do something better? Praiseworthy, you know what praiseworthy means? Does it build up, does it edify, or is it tearing things down? We have to change the way we think. God's not going to do it for you. He can change your heart, but he won't change your mind. That's your job. And when I get my mind screwed on right, my peace comes back. And then the final thing, the final word is dedication. Everybody say dedication. This means manage right living. Manage right living. Look at, I love what Paul said in verse 9. He said, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. I love that. These, these things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. That phrase, these do means, basically, he's saying to us that right thinking leads to right living. And if we're going to live right, we've got to follow through with obedience. Because if I walk in disobedience, I'm going to lose my peace. I'm not going to be at peace. I'll, my peace will go missing if I'm not doing what the Lord has revealed to me, what He's shown me. This is so important. These do. And I love how He says what you've seen in me. Look at it again. He says, These things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me. Can I just say, sometimes we don't know how to do this, we just don't know how to do it. Sometimes we can become more dedicated by imitating others in our life that are doing it right. Imitation. Everybody say imitation. I don't mean that imitation in the fake sense, but imitating what you're seeing in other people. Paul said, you've seen me. You see me now. I'm imprisoned. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I'll say it again, rejoice. He's not stressed out. He's not anxious. He's not worried. He's not out of peace. He's full of peace. He knows who He is. He knows where He's going. Things He knows what God is up to in His life. Wouldn't you like to have that kind of peaceful life? 
That, I'm going to tell you something, that's perfect peace. To have your world, as it were, falling apart on the outside, but on the inside, you're good. That's perfect peace. That's perfect peace. And Paul said, imitate me. Let me show you a verse of scripture. I think, I think it's up there. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. It says, do not become sluggish. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. That's a verse of scripture saying, if you don't know how to get through this, and if you don't know how to do this, find somebody, latch onto them, and do it like they do it. Until it becomes a part of you. Until you are being anxious for nothing but in everything. By prayer and supplication, making your requests known to God. With thanksgiving. And you're walking in harmony in your relationships. And you're praying about things. And you're thinking thoughts. You're thinking true things and noble things and praiseworthy things. And you'll have the peace of God, but you'll not only have the peace of God, but the God of peace will be with you. Let's stand together. In this little series that we're in right now, Finding Your Missing Peace, I believe that God wants the church today on the face of the earth to operate in the peace of God. Things are chaotic, things are disturbing, things are out of order, but listen. That doesn't mean you and I have to be. Let's begin to step into the peace of God and operate in the peace of God. And there's other messages, a couple other messages that I want to share with you. But let's start here. How about your mind? How about your mind right now? Let's just lift up our hearts to the Lord. Lord, I just pray for every one of us in this room, Lord, if our soul is out of peace, if we're scared, if we're anxious, if we're angry, Lord, if... If uh, we're exhausted with everything that is going on around us and in our own lives personally. I just pray, Lord, that we would step back into the peace of God. Right now. Lord, I pray for any one of us who are struggling in our relationships. Whether it's somebody very important or somebody around us, Lord, that has hurt us. I pray, God, that we would step into a heart of reconciliation and gentleness, forgiveness and acceptance. Coming into a place of agreement, we pray, we pray for healing, Lord, in our marriages and in our families and in our relationships. In the name of Jesus. Pray, God, that we become people of prayer, not people of worry. God, that we would get our mind back on track with the truth. Lord, that we would fully dedicate our lives to you in every way. We love you, Jesus. One more time, can you lift your hands with me to the Lord and just give him an audible praise? Lord, we love you and we bless your holy name. We thank you for bringing us together today. And I just pray, God, that we'll leave this place in the peace of God. And wherever we go, Lord, that we disseminate peace. Lord, that we share it, that we give it, Lord, that we extend it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day.